Uh, it is a great privilege to be here, and it really is fun to be able to be here on this occasion uh, with uh, Phil and Sharon. And I, I thought about it in terms of it being viewed a little bit. Could I get uh, some, Dan, could you hand me that water? Uh, one thing I've figured out about New Mexico is that uh, I dry up really hurry, in, in a really big hurry. Uh, so I will need this before the day's over. Am I okay to set it right there? And nobody will. Um, but um, I, I really wanted to be here, and I thought about it in terms of, well, this is kind of a, a closing, a kind of an ending of something, kind of a retirement. But I don't want to talk about that anymore because we've done that now, okay? So I want to talk about where we're going and what we're about. And uh, I think Paul said it a minute ago that this isn't the end of anything. This is really just a transition in so many ways of what's going on in their lives and it really, it really needs to apply to all of us as well of what God would want to do uh, in and through our lives. Paul mentioned the, the future of this church and what God wants to do to continue uh, his blessing, to grow this church, to see uh, his kingdom advance through the ministry that happens in the life of this church. So that's the kind of thing I want to talk about because uh, the reality is, is that we live in a world in a context right now uh, that uh, isn't uh, as open to the gospel as it once was. Or maybe I should say it this way. They're not as open to church as we've always known it, as, the, as they once were. Uh, there's uh, statistics out that say that 60% of the world right now, or at least our country, I should say 60% of our nation, won't even consider going to a church anymore. So we have to find ways to reach out to them and really begin, begin to be focused on what Jesus was focused on. How many know that the, the, the focus that Jesus Christ had was always the lost, always helping people find their way? And uh, that's what I want to I wanna talk to you today just for a few minutes, and I, I don't plan to be long, but about what God may be talking to you about, both collectively as a congregation, to you as an individual, perhaps as a couple, but whatever context that might be in for you, I want to think about it in terms of what kinds of things God may be saying to you that he wants you to be bold enough to step into and be brave enough and be full of enough faith to be able to step out and, and do some really great things for him. If you think about Jesus and his ministry, uh, Jesus wasn't afraid of uh, infuriating the religious. Uh, in fact, about everything he did sort of did that. I think we have to be at a place today in our love for Jesus that we're willing to take the risk, we're willing to go out and do what others have not done. I'm thinking about what that was like. What year did you do the singing group when you made all of those 10,000-mile trips? 1957, all of those years ago, over 50 years ago, uh, when they stepped out, that, that you were young, you were excited, you were willing to get out of the boat and let's go find out if we can walk on water and everything else that went with it. I actually think it's going to take that kind of uh, energy on our part, that kind of faith on our part as well, because uh, some of the challenges that the Lord is going to, uh, that, that we're going to face in serving the Lord are going to require that kind of faith. I want to, I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning that's uh, a little bit unusual probably in this context, but I want to read a passage of scripture that's um, at the at the close of one prophet's ministry, really toward the end of that, and the beginning of another. Elijah is coming toward the end of his uh, ministry. Uh, Elisha 
is just now getting started in his ministry. You, you'll find that passage in 2 Kings chapter 2. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, if you have them, while I take a drink of water. I feel like, uh, who was that? Marco Rubio or somebody on the, <laughs> everybody saw that? Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> I can't talk anymore. Uh, this is what the Bible says in the New King James Version. I'm reading from that version, by the way, about this story. It's so, so the two of them walked on. Fifty of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha, excuse me, I want to go back. I, I started in the wrong spot. I don't want to go there. I want to go to Second Kings chapter 2, and I want to begin in verse 7 about how they... Uh, Actually, no, that's not where I want to go either. I, I want to, I'm, totally, I'm totally lost. Uh, actually, I'm not lost. Let me tell you the story. The way Elijah and Elisha, uh, toward the end of Elijah's ministry and the start of Elisha's, most of you would know the story. Elijah's walking by one day, and what did he do? He throws his cloak over and says to Elisha, come and follow me. And there's a decision that has to be made in the midst of that. And then in the midst of all of that, they uh, begin this journey together because it becomes apparent now that Elijah's ministry is done. That's where I want to begin in that chapter 2, verse 7. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it, the water divided in the right and the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit, this is Elijah's answer, Elisha's answer, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly... This is pretty spectacular. I don't think Hollywood has anything on this. When, uh, when suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind, and Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart, and he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan River. I want to I want you to think about that for a moment in terms of uh, two uh, two people, a, a great great couple who have spent many many years now in ministry and carrying the load. Because in some ways uh they're like Elijah. I don't know if there's going to be any chariots of fire or anything like that come flying through here today. If there is, we're all in, right? That'd be cool. But we don't know that that's going to happen, but it's sort of a shifting of now the, 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 the mantle falls on you. What is it that you're going to be about? And what is it that you're going to be doing? And what is it, maybe I could ask it this way, what is it that you would be contending for, for God to do in your life? What are, you, what are you contending that God might do? If somebody asked you like Elijah did to Elisha, what is it that you would want from me? What would your answer be in terms of how it applies, not you know, well, I want a big house on a hill, and I want a boat, and I want uh, uh, my own private lake so I can go fishing or my own private golf course. And, oh, by the way, I have played on a sand green before uh, in Plattsburgh, Missouri. I know that drill, and I know the drill about the channel, too. It worked really well. Shot the best round of my life ever. 
Um, I, what would you say if someone were to ask you that and it wasn't connected to all of the stuff of this world, that really it did have a, a, an eternal uh, part at, to that? And what would your answer be as, as Elisha answers what it is that he wants of a double portion of what it was that he had experienced and had seen in Elijah's life? I see Elisha as Elijah has, has taken from him now turning and and the very water that had just been parted so that they could go over on now he stands on the brink of that river facing what's out in front of him and now he doesn't have Elijah anymore he's all on his own and so he's he's faced with a dilemma of now where do I go from here uh, that happens sometimes in the life of congregations when a great pastor for many years retires or steps aside and it's like now what and, and, and it comes to us to say, okay, Lord, what role is it that you have me? What is it that you want me to do? And what is it that you want me uh, to be involved in in terms of how we're going to continue this thing? I'm going to suggest to you because there's a lot of things that will speak to you and say that you can't or you shouldn't or that you won't be able to step out into what God asks you to do. There are all kinds of things of this world. There are all kinds of things of your own insecurities. There's uh, points of fear, points of insecurity. There's points of uh, provision. I just could never do that because I, I don't have the means to do it. We can always, how many know this? We can always come up with all of the reasons why we can't do something for God because we don't have our eyes on the right place. If all Elisha sees in front of him is the obstacles of what will be out there when he crosses that river again, if that's all he can see, he might never have stepped into what God asked for him to do. So let me give you some reasons, uh, just a couple of real brief things about why I think you can become everything that God wants you to be today. And whatever it is, and there could be 50 or 60 or 70 completely different things that God's challenging your own heart about today, but it applies to every one of us. Here's a reason why you can step into whatever God has for your life today. And that is because if you've been around any length of time in your walk with God, you know that he has a pretty good track record. Anybody know that to be true? We know that to be true, do we not? That God has a great track record. He's really good at fulfilling and doing and coming through in the midst of our lives. Uh, I, I know that Phil and Sharon have experienced that countless times. I know your family, I'm seeing Karen sitting there too in just these last months of what God has done in providing, saving, and, and preserving life. Uh, my wife was diagnosed with cancer 13 years ago. And um, there she is, beautiful as ever, healthy, well, strong. We, we know that God, I, I fell off of a church building from about up there that we were building in Oregon and, um, and should have been dead. But other than being a little crazy, I didn't fall on my head, so, okay. But um, I, I, I should have been dead. My wife was hit by a car going about 60 miles an hour uh, several years ago. We, we, know, we know that God is faithful, do we not? God, God is a faithful God, and understand that as Elisha faces this world in front of him, he'd been exposed to all kinds of things like that in Elijah's life as well. He had experienced, he had seen 
the things of God that were working through Elijah's life. And so those are some of the things that probably sustained him in the midst of as he began his journey with the Lord. In fact, I, uh, one of the things I, I really believe that God's about today is I think he's looking for men and women like Phil and Sharon Hyde, who 50-some years ago were willing to step out and go into and get into what God asked for them to do. I think he's asking for people like us today to do that as well. And, and could I just say this? It doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how young you are. I believe that's the very heart of God for you today, that he has something that he wants you to do. And by the way, I think that something that he will ask you to do will always require you to step out into that. It'll not be the easiest thing to do. If it's always the easiest thing to do, it's probably more us than him. Because I think he always wants us to function in some level of faith. In fact, there's a great illustration of how, how uh, Elisha was living and looking back at how God was always faithful to come through. If you went back to chapter 1 in Second uh, in, uh, Kings, you would see that the very last thing of, of Acts that, that Elijah did, and ones that Elisha would have been seeing and would have seen happen, is a story about the king of Samaria. His name is Ahazi, and he fell like I did, I suppose. I don't imagine it was that high. Uh, but he fell through what they described, the Bible describes as a lattice, and he's hurt pretty bad, evidently, because uh, he doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. And so he sends some messengers down to inquire of the uh, god of Beelzebub, I think it is, and uh, he, he sends them down, and they're on their way there. When God speaks to Elijah and says, Elijah, uh, this has happened, and so I want you to go up and encounter those messengers. And oh, by the way, the message that you need to tell those messengers is that because he didn't believe there was a God in Israel that could heal him, that, and because he went to Beelzebub instead of God, uh, tell him he's going to die. And so those messengers go back and tell the king Samaria, hey, they said, well, uh, we, didn't, we didn't get down all the way to Beelzebub, but we encountered this guy and uh, this prophet, and he says that uh, you, you're going to die. And, and, and so uh, Ahazi says, well, what did that guy look like? And the guy says, well, he describes a hairy guy. He's hairy, and he's got a I must have some impressive belt, the buckle of some sort. I don't know if it was one of them Texan rodeo buckles or what it was. But he's got some big belt on. And, oh, well, that's that prophet. That's that Elijah guy. So then he has this great idea. He says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so he gets a captain, and he, and he gets the captain to get 50 men. And he says, I want you to go down to, to Elijah, and I want you to say to Elijah, uh, I want you to bring him to me because I want him to, I'm going to talk to him about this. And so he sends a captain with their 50 guys down there. You can read all this. It's all in the story. And when they get down there, it's like they have this, start to have this conversation with Elijah. And, he, and Elijah zaps them. I mean, the fire of God comes down and all of them are like crispy rice krispies or something. They, it just destroys them. They're gone. So, uh, I, and we don't know all of this, okay? We, don't, we have no idea how they all figured out, Ahazi figures out that these guys are gone. So, I don't know if there's somebody, uh, how, how it happened. Maybe they just were on a hill and they saw smoke. I don't know. Or maybe they smelled. I don't know how they knew it. But he says, okay, well, let's try this again. So, I'm going to send another captain with another 50 down to inquire of the prophet. And he does that. And again, wham, bam, dead, gone, Post toasties this time, man, and all there is is smoke. 
So now uh, you can imagine these guys, the captains, the military guys. Can you imagine these guys? Because right now everybody's kind of going like this and trying to find Paul Risher to stand behind. Because nobody's stepping up saying, hey, you know, I'll go down there. I'll, I'll go down. Nobody's doing that at this time because, I mean, you figure this guy, if we go down there, we're dead. But he sends a third guy down. And when the third guy goes down, as the story goes, which isn't the point of the story, he really falls on his face, which, by the way, is what we better be doing. He falls on his face before. But here's the point. That's the very thing that Elisha had been watching happen. So it's really, it's really not unusual then if you look at on further in 2 Kings chapter uh, 2 verse 23. If you go clear down to verse 23, look at what Elisha does because that's the kind of thing he had seen. He says this, this happens to him. So Elisha, now we're talking Elisha, not Elijah. Don't get him confused. Then he went up from there to Bethel and as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Apologies. Apologies, John. I just saw you out there, Pastor John. Uh, go up, you bald. He didn't say it just once. It's like rub it in. No, you're not just bald. You're really bald, man. And so he turned around. He turned around, and he looked at them, and he pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord, and two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Now, that could be perceived as a little bit of an excessive abuse of your power or authority or whatever. It was a great, uh, it, was, it was really pretty bold though, wasn't it? You know why he had that kind of boldness though? And I'm not saying it was right or wrong or anything else. All I'm saying is this. He'd already seen the work of God. He wasn't afraid to do something because he had seen God work. You shouldn't be afraid to step out because you know that God will come through. You know that God will sustain you. You know that God will be there for you. Uh, second reason, and I want to finish with this one very quickly. Second reason why you can step out and do stuff for God is this. is because uh, you, you have exercised faith and you know that this will require faith. Uh, I think that anything that God will call us to do, just like it was in Elisha's case, will, uh, of picking up the mantle and going and carrying on the ministry of Elijah, that anything that we do will require this measure of faith. I think Elisha could have easily said, you know what, I'm not, in, I'm not going for this. I'm going to go back to the farm. I, I, I grew up on a farm. Anybody else grew up on a farm? It's really hard work. It's a lot of hard work. We were talking about it. Phil and I were talking about it today, baling hay and bumblebees and grasshoppers that bite through your gloves and go up your pant leg and all kinds of stuff like that. Farm work is tough. But Elisha could have easily said, you know what, uh, that doesn't look as bad as going out here and doing this because this looks like it could be pretty dicey. It will always take faith when we step out into what God asks us to do. Uh, I know some of you probably grew up in church like I did. I heard a couple of old hymns this morning that, by the way, I really loved because they really do build you, don't they? And just just being so grateful and thankful for the cross and what Jesus did for us. Some of you probably know a song or listened to a song and sang a song many years and time after time. And the, the song was uh, Leaning, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Anybody remember that song? And safe and secure from... All alarm. We could sing that today, couldn't we? Well, we're not going to because I would be leading it and that would be bad. But 
I, I, I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? Here's the reality, though. When you step out for God, there will be challenges. And I thought about that song, and I thought, well, it kind of gives the indication that you're never going to go anything, through anything tough. You're never going to experience any challenge. You're just going to be fine because you're safe and secure. Everything's going to be great. Now, we know we are in one sense in the Lord because uh, we're, we're going to go to heaven no matter what happens to us. But the reality also is, you guys ever have any challenges in your ministry? Of course you have. Any challenges in your personal life? Of course you have. So it really does take faith to step out. I'm thinking about all of those examples in the Hebrews chapter 11 of those who uh, really did step out and really uh, did have faith, and yet there was great challenge to uh, some of them uh, in their lives as well, facing jeers, being crucified, being ridiculed, being uh, uh, put in prison, every kind of thing you can imagine. Erwin McManus says this about, because uh, sometimes it feels like uh, we, 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 we don't always see God come through for us, but he always does. And, but he has a great perspective because he said it like this. He says, if you're thrown to the lions, of course, Daniel and the lions, and of course you hope that you will be there in the morning to celebrate. But if you're not, you'll be in the presence of God. Wouldn't that be great? And you will have provided a small kindness to a few hungry lions. That's a pretty good perspective when you think about it. Because what God asks us to do is going to be something that will require faith on our part. There will be challenges in our life. And I know I, I, I saved this story for Phil because I know that you guys have probably experienced this before in your life. But uh, being a pastor is not always easy. Being a leader in the body of Christ is not always easy. There are challenges that come your way. But we know of the faithfulness of God too. Phil has a great sense of humor. He does like to tell stories. He does like to tell jokes. In fact, I heard maybe half dozen before this service started this morning, back there in the office. And oh, by the way, I get them, because I'm, I'm sort of wired that way too, personally. But I did hear, and maybe I'll, I'll close our time out this morning with this little story about a, a pastor who had just finished preaching what he thought was a really, really good sermon, because we all think all of our sermons are really, really good. And, uh, and somebody had slipped him a note right after that service. And, and on the note, there, there was just the word fool, F-O-O-L, just fool. So the next Sunday, the pastor gets up, and I can actually see Phil doing this. They get up, and, and he says, you know, uh, in all of my years of ministry, I've had a lot of, a lot of letters that have been written to me uh, that have been very critical and very harsh, and they were always signed anonymous. This is the first time I've ever gotten a letter with no content, but the guy signed the letter. <laughs> Sometimes when we step out and do things for God, it's not easy, but he will always be there to sustain us in the midst of it. Could I encourage you today to um, uh, take Pastor Paul's word, what do you have to live for? What do you have to live for? And begin to ask God, you know, God, not just stuff, but what is it you want me to do for you? Could we just pray together? Let's do that. Lord, would you today just touch our hearts?
Would you challenge us right where we live, Lord? We live in different places. We live in different cities, states, and we also live in different environments in our life and even in different places of our walk with you. But you are the same God that would speak to all of us through your Holy Spirit. And so today, would you do that, I pray, just in every one of our hearts, as we give thanks and express gratefulness for two dear servants who have served you so faithfully. Lord, may that be an example to all of us of how we might live our lives as well in being faithful to you. And thank you, Lord, that you will do that because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me. You know, uh, it was 12 years ago that uh, Phil and Sharon thought they were retiring from Burbank, moved back to Albuquerque, and God tapped them on the shoulder and said, Help Chelwood uh, uh, Foursquare Church. Tapped them on the shoulder again, Help Faith Chapel. And, you know, Phil is still feeling that tap on his shoulder to serve and to serve with all of his heart and his energy and his life and as we shared this morning a moment together and he said I just want to continue to serve as long as God gives me the opportunity and he is continuing and Sharon is continuing and what an example that needs to be for each of us is God tapping you on the shoulder this morning said you want to rest I have something for you to do it's okay to rest for a while but then get back to work you want a vacation I've got a challenge. I've got an adventure for you. Don't take a vacation from me, God says. Let me send you where I want you to go to serve and to be fruitful. The worship team is going to play one more song for us. We're going to have a prayer and ask God's blessing over our meal and for fellowship. But I want to ask, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please come down right after the service. And and Ginger and I will be here and Phil and Sharon others to talk with you and pray with you and help you make sure that you have a personal relationship with God. If you have a personal need for prayer, would like prayer, we'll be available for that as well. But uh, let's thank God. Lord, we are so grateful to be your children, Lord. We are encouraged by Phil and Sharon. And Lord, as we recognize how you work in the hearts and lives of your people, oh God, we want to serve you in a greater and greater way. Help us, oh God. Lord, we ask you, O God, to bless the meal that we're going to share together in our fellowship time. We pray, Lord, that you tug the heart of anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, that they can be sure, O God, if they will just do what you said to do and confess their sins and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they will be saved, Lord. It's as simple as that, and we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we ask you to send us out with a blessing today as we share in fellowship, share this meal. And then, Lord, as we continue as a congregation and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ in the community, help us to be encouraged by what happened today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. He became sin
Amen and amen. Please stay and join us for lunch and for fellowship together. I know you want to share your personal congratulations to Phil and Sharon. God bless you this morning and be with you as you continue to experience his goodness. Amen and amen. Jesus is God.